Extraordinary Terrestrials, Chapter 39, A Very Rare Tree. Tripp was stocking bags of compost when Maddie burst into Churchy's and nearly stopped his heart. He decided he preferred her new, quieter car. He liked this kind of entrance for Maddie. He liked the surprise and not having a warning. It was as if he was coming home and finding her asleep on his couch after months of not seeing her again and again. Maddie looked displeased. I can't believe it's snowing again, she moaned, slumping onto one of the stacks of bagged compost in exasperation. It was 70 out just last week. April Fools, Tripp stated, glad he had a reason to use that phrase, even if it was the last day of April. He looked at the thick, wet flakes falling outside. Mother Nature's practical joke. Then he looked at Maddie and observed how the green of her jacket emphasized the hints of green in her brown eyes. There were bags under her eyes. School preparations, job hunting, and her frequent visits to churches didn't leave much room for sleep in her life, it seemed. I swear the winter wasn't this bad last year, she grumbled. The winter was hardly here at all, you're catching the tail end. It's supposed to snow like this every year, and every year when spring finally comes you act like it's a miracle, Tripp replied. He lifted a bag and attempted to throw it into place, but having miscalculated the weight distribution nearly threw himself with it. Recovering, he climbed back out of the compost shelves. You'd be complaining more if you were here back in January, when it never got below 40 and rained for weeks. Besides, I seem to recall someone being very excited about snow not two weeks ago. That was before I had to drive in it. Maddie examined a new display of sunglasses half-heartedly. She smirked a little, as if she had an exciting secret. And before I knew there was going to be a snowstorm a week before my internship in the bog started, Tripp blinked, joining in her excitement. You got it? Not officially, but I got through phase one, which is the hardest, she replied, the smirk turning into a full-blown grin. Congratulations! He quickly recovered from his bout of enthusiasm. I knew you would get it. You're more than capable. Doesn't mean it was easy, she replied, crossing her arms. You know how much of that interview I fudged? Absolutely none, I hope. Correct. And it wasn't from lack of trying. You should be proud, Tripp stated. Then, feeling daring, he added, I'm proud of you. Maddie said nothing, and Tripp wondered if there would ever be a time when he felt daring enough to look at her after saying something like that. For the time being, he pretended to find the label on one specific compost bag fascinating. Seconds passed in silence, and Tripp was grateful for Churchy's brief interruption as he passed by. Hey, kiddo, how you doing, my dear? I'm excellent, Churchy, thanks for asking, Maddie replied, an exuberant smile in her voice. Tripp still did not look up. Good, hun, good. Hey, treat, how's that cow scat coming along? 
Churchy asked, interrupting himself. Better than you make it sound, Trip replied, stacking another bag. You want me to start on the mulch next, I'm guessing? Churchy turned back to Maddie. He's a smart one, you know, he whispered audibly, tapping a gnarled finger to his temple. Knows what people want from him and knows whether you should give it. Trip dared a glance at Maddie. She looked a little breathless and lost. Oh, yeah? she asked. Churchy had already moved on, and Trip looked away just in time as Maddie returned her attentions to their conversation. <clears throat> so anyways, the TA at the interview didn't seem familiar, she started after clearing her throat. She wasn't Reynolds or her friend anyway. Heller? Did she say anything about what the internship would entail? Trip realized too late that the bag he'd lifted was snagged on the corner of a shelf. Compost showered onto his shoes. Surely it wasn't really cow manure. Yes. Maddie rose to her feet and headed for the front counter. She called back over her shoulder. She said we'd be looking for a rare species of tree, the Atlantic white cedar. It is endangered and rarely grows this far north, but they theorize that the species could potentially be found in Bloodsworth Bog. Tripp made a mental note to look up images of the Atlantic white cedar later. He had a feeling about it. Here's the thing, though, Maddie continued as she returned with a broom. I get the impression that this T.A. doesn't know the full story. Oh? Tripp wrestled with the leaky bag, which from the smell of it was most definitely cow manure. He attempted to dispose of it in a manner that kept it far away from his face and nose, which proved difficult as it weighed a lot and couldn't be carried without also being hugged. Maddie set to work, sweeping. Nope. She doesn't even know who Reynolds and Heller work for, said it was confidential and that, depending on what we find, the field study may develop into something more. Her words, not mine. Interesting, Tripp grunted. He slowly lowered the bag into a trash bin, feeling wasteful about all the manure that had made its way onto his shirt. She did, however, inform me that I'd be meeting with Reynolds and Heller the day after tomorrow— Maddie sighed and forfeited the task of sweeping in place of crossing her arms with distracted worry. I'm concerned they'll make a connection between you and I. Not sure that needs to be a concern just yet, Tripp stated. He thought about it. It wasn't likely Heller and Reynolds knew who Maddie was. And if they did, it was only by name. And if by name, it was a botched rendering provided to them by Churchy. They did, however, know who Trip was, which brought him to an unpleasant conclusion. He picked up the broom and continued where Maddie had left off. I haven't seen much of the secret agents lately, but it may be wise to limit our public appearances together, at least when the internship starts up, unfortunately. That is unfortunate. Trip couldn't agree more. Maddie's visits to the shop made his day, and lately she'd made his day daily. Just here, he added. They know they can find me here, but they have no actual idea where my address is, no idea how often I visit Karen, or where else I tend to go. Where else do you go? Maddie asked with a grin. Fair point. Maddie's joke was a little too true for Tripp to find it funny, which he tried not to let on. Anyway, we can still meet up in other places, like Gunther's Grind. Or your house, or on campus even, Maddie suggested. Yes, Tripp replied. He wasn't so sure about campus. 
It also can't hurt to give them a variation of your name when you meet with Heller and Reynolds. You mean tell them I prefer to be called Matilda? Maddie wrinkled her nose. Even her expressions of distaste were appealing, Tripp observed. She shrugged. I suppose that makes a lot of sense, but I still hate it. Do what you think is right, he stated, squatting to sweep the debris into a dustpan. Maddie took the broom from him, insisting she sweep while he handled the other side of the two-person task. You realize how much of a challenge that is for me? she said. I think you should, Tripp started, unsure of where he was going. He was looking for the best approach Maddie could take. I think I should give the impression of an ambitious person who is willing to do more than everyone else, she stated, finishing his thought. Tripp nodded. He didn't know why he was trying to give her advice. Maddie knew better than him how to handle the social end of things. Is that a good idea? She probed. Definitely. He dumped the contents of the dustpan into the waste bin, considering still what could be done with the ripped bag of compost. He could plant a garden. Seven years working here, and the thought had never occurred to Trip. Maddie shifted her weight in the undersized chair. They'd asked to meet in one of the older buildings on campus. It was a dinosaur of a structure, with ticking radiators and gurgling pipes that reminded her of the old building where she'd attended junior high. This did not bring back fond memories. Matilda Pack? the stern older man asked. Yes? Where do you hail from, Matilda? the woman asked. Maddie liked her instantly. Her tone was friendly. Her face was sweet. Louisiana? The two professionals frowned. What are you doing here? Heller asked, as if Maddie was as much out of place as they were. So they were from away. The accents hinted at somewhere in the Midwest. Great Lakes, maybe. Taking her time to think of an answer, she glanced at the yellow light shining through the window, illuminating little particles drifting in the air. It had already climbed 20 degrees since the snow two days ago. I'm here because of the specific ecosystems this state has to offer, she replied. I am in this particular major because I am in Maine, and this place has inspired me to choose such a major. Heller looked skeptical. He squinted at the contents of a folder resting on his crossed legs. Says here, he paused, reading. Reynolds impatiently leaned in to see what he was scrutinizing. Says here you're only on your first semester as a wildlife ecology major? Double major, Maddie corrected. Wildlife ecology and evolutionary psych, minor in history. I started as a psych major. She left out some inconvenient details. Between the psych major and her current disciplines, she'd also majored in biology, English, art, and briefly, business economics. Very briefly. Graham hadn't gotten her way with that one. I can see how the three disciplines would combine nicely, Reynolds said, nodding and smiling at the ceiling. 
What do you want to do once you get your degrees? What does anyone who takes on the workload of two degrees want to do? Change the world, of course, Maddie fired back. More specifically, I want to see the world, the natural world, and humanity's role in the natural world as it has never been seen before. I want to understand it on a different level. She now had both of them. Heller nodded, unaware of his perfect sync with Reynolds. She'd planted herself in their minds without even telling one white lie. Mostly just omissions of the truth. She'd omitted Trip. He was the real reason she was still here in Maine, the reason she appreciated the bog in the first place, and the reason she was excited to be taking classes and going to school for the first time in years. Trip was the one who made Maddie want to understand humanity on a different level, because Trip did understand humanity on a different level. He was her source of inspiration. Maddie pondered if that meant he was her muse. The thought made her smirk as she imagined Trip wearing a toga and playing a lute. Well, Matilda, I don't know how much the TA told you in the first interview, Reynolds stated as her partner rifled through more papers, but the main objective of this internship is to hopefully locate a species of tree which is rare in this zone. The Atlantic White Cedar, Maddie stated. Right, Reynolds smiled. We have reason to believe this species grows in Bloodsworth Bog. If so, it would be cause for the bog to be recognized as a protected wetland. Bear in mind, Heller chimed in, we will be working on someone else's property. We do not own the bog. Therefore, we must treat it with respect to its owner, Karen Laurent. Maddie concealed her excitement upon hearing the name. If we do not find any intimation of the Atlantic white cedar grown in this wetland, Heller continued, we must understand that Miss Laurent has every right to do with the property as she pleases. It is out of our hands at that point, so to speak. But should we find this species, Reynolds cut in, it would prevent further development of the bog. Or, Heller added, his tone taking a secretive shift, if we find something else that could be considered notable, that must be taken into account. We are initially looking for this one species, but it's hard to say what we'll find. Do you consider yourself an open-minded individual, Matilda? Maddie smiled, catching his drift. Of course. Then it would behoove you, he said, growing even quieter, to keep your eyes and ears as open as your mind. Trip arrived at Gunther's grind in a conflicted state. The warm sunshine on the back of his neck pushed his mood in a positive direction, while the prospect of meeting Maddie in an environment he was unused to made him exceedingly nervous. Trip wondered about the implications of a coffee shop putting him more on edge than his now regular visits to the hospital. He wasn't sure if that was an improvement or just evidence of how little he got out. Work, home, and the hospital. What a morbid lifestyle. 
Determined to change this, he pulled open the door and stepped into the overly air-conditioned room. It smelled of coffee and steam. Tripp glanced around and noticed that every individual seated at a table had their eyes glued to one device or another. Phones and computers, even the folks who were in mid-conversation with friends. He sighed, aware that this was nothing new. No sign of Maddie yet. A woman waited eagerly at the cash register to take his order. How are you? she asked, giving him a look over and a welcoming smile. I'm well, you? Tripp always found the question strange. To answer honestly would be jarring and off-putting for most people. Good, thank you, she rattled off. What would you like? Um... Tripp skimmed the options listed on the chalkboards above her head, overwhelmed by the multitude of variations there were for one drink. A small coffee, please? The barista raised her eyebrows, expecting more. He felt the strange need to explain himself. Iced? He shivered. No. Okay, she laughed a little. What kind of roast? What? He'd heard her. With a smirk, she handed him a laminated menu. Tripp marveled that even more options were being presented to him. These are today's specials, she explained. Ah, he pretended to read the menu, but the pressure of having to make an informed decision made it impossible for Tripp to comprehend any of the words. Finally, he handed it back to her. Surprise me. Good choice. She gave a flirtatious laugh as she tapped the monitor. 320, please. Do you want your receipt? No, thanks, Tripp replied, handing her his card. Then, to humor her, he added, I doubt I'll be returning my coffee. She let out another louder laugh and set to work. Tripp knew the natural flow of events whenever a stranger tried to flirt with him. They liked him, they thought he was charming, they flirted, he joked back, they noted his lack of a smile and wondered if he was being serious. They concluded that either way, he was cruel or creepy or awkward and was just too much work to be around. Tripp waited for his coffee, aware that the barista was well on her way to the fifth stage of this typical interaction, as she gave him a concerned glance from behind the espresso machine. But then, sometimes the entire process could be interrupted by an unforeseen variable. Tripp noticed Maddie before she saw him. Her eyes flitted over each individual before falling on him, before breaking into an ear-to-ear grin and skipping to his side. Tripp spent a few seconds unsure of what to do with his hands, before jamming them into his pockets and pretending to relax. How'd it go? he asked, knowing the answer. Great, she said. At least I think it did. That's the feel I got. They seemed impressed. How couldn't they be? he blurted. It was unclear if Maddie had heard him as the barista interrupted. Your coffee, she stated in a much cooler tone than before as she shoved the mug at him. It's a medium dark Vienna roast. Thank you, he replied. Have a fine day. The barista gave him a blank look before she shifted her attention to Maddie. Hi, how are you? Maddie asked sweetly, tucking a curl behind her ear. Tripp caught himself staring. Fine. The usual today? After the barista aggressively made Maddie's latte, they took a seat in two armchairs by the window. Tripp searched for words. A nice change of scenery, no? Maddie asked. She took a sip. Tripp followed suit and burnt his tongue. Sure, he replied. We could stare at these folks for hours without them noticing. Isn't it funny? 
she whispered. Makes for great people watching, just trying to figure out what sort of text conversation they're having based on their faces. They don't realize at all what expression they have going on. I suppose. Tripp glanced around, noting one man frowning at his phone and a younger woman grinning at her laptop. He considered that he may have been born in the wrong time period. He glanced at Maddie. Maybe she felt the same. Tripp remembered how much he loved the internet and decided such anachronistic thoughts were nonsense. Choosing to return to the subject at hand, he asked, So what did you think of them? Maddie leaned in, as if it was actually a concern that they might be overheard. They definitely know that there's something unusual about the bog, she said, just above a whisper. But what they know, I couldn't say. It's clear to me, at least, that Heller considers the search for the Atlantic White Cedar to be a front for another kind of investigation. With the impression I gave, I think he's willing to include me, if not other interns, in his side project— I'm really not sure what Reynolds' main objective is yet. She seems to be the good to his evil, but for all I know, she and Heller both intend to find more than the Atlantic White Cedar. That being said, they certainly don't get along. No, they don't. Tripp shook his head. I think they're stuck together. Assigned. Any words shared about who they're working for? Nothing of the sort, Maddie replied. But if I could take a guess, more likely a corporation than some branch of the government involved with the EPA. The government doesn't give a damn about saving a bog these days. Either way, I sense ulterior motives. They say they want to save the bog, but my gut tells me otherwise. Your gut is smart to think so. Tripp leaned back, thinking. He'd forgotten something important. I'm also curious how they got permission to do this study on Karen's property, Maddie added. When you think about it, she was hell-bent on developing that bog up until her coma. They couldn't have gotten permission before, but could they have gotten it after? They were at the hospital the day Karen woke, Tripp pointed out. He then realized that Heller and Reynolds, like all non-relatives, were probably refused visitation. Maddie had a point. They weren't allowed to see her, though. Perhaps they didn't get her permission or signature at all? Maddie suggested. Perhaps they found a legal loophole. It was Tripp's turn to now worry that they might be overheard. Or, he leaned in, they're doing something very illegal and no one has thought to stop them yet. Maddie, if that's the case, you'd be involving yourself. Maddie smiled at him. It was neither surprising nor the reaction Tripp wanted. I can take care of myself, she replied quietly. Besides, ignorant until proven guilty. As long as you're aware, all I'm aware of, she raised her voice back to room temperature, is that I'm participating in a paid internship to possibly locate a rare species of cedar in Bloodsworth Bog. Tripp remembered the important something. What was the name of that tree again? White cedar? Atlantic white cedar, Maddie corrected. Yes. Tripp's thoughts reeled to the research he'd done the night before, then to the night of the bog fire. Maddie, do you remember the tree we climbed? Maddie laughed. We've climbed a fair share of trees, Tripp, she pointed out. The one on that night. The one that came out of nowhere during the fire. Oh, she became serious. How couldn't I? 
It was a bigger species than the other ones growing in the bog. How big would you say? Oh, at least 50 feet. Towering. I just don't know how it got... She trailed off, realizing where Trip was going with this. Atlantic white cedars grow to be... A maximum of 70 feet, Trip finished for her, when given time in the proper environment. That tree, the bark was twisted and wet. I think it had been underground. Maddie's words came out in an unconscious stream. But it hadn't suffered any damage from the water because cedars are especially water-resistant, and it didn't have needles like the tamaracks or the black spruces. Trip continued, prompting her further. No, it had scales! Maddie's unconfined excitement caused a miracle. Several patrons of Gunther's looked up from their phones and computers at the sound of her voice. She shrank back into her seat, beaming. Hushed, she continued. We very well may have climbed a rare species of tree that night, Trip. Trip's excitement, though better contained, mirrored hers. He dug his fingers into the arms of his chair. A very rare tree indeed. A tree that seemed to be able to willfully submerge itself within seconds. Maddie, it's possible that this internship, this project to find an Atlantic white cedar, isn't just a cover. For all we know, this is part of the secret investigation Heller and Reynolds are conducting. If that's the case, we're one step ahead of them. Maddie concluded. Extraordinary Terrestrials is written, read, and recorded by Miriam Rimkunis. All piano music was written and performed by Jonas Rimkunis. All public domain organ music was performed by John Rimkunis. All other music was written and performed by Miriam Rimkunis. Needless to say, all rights reserved. Tune in every Thursday for the next chapter. The Mockingbird heard at the beginning of this chapter was recorded in New Jersey by Freesound user Hargis Sound. A link to their recording is in the show notes. If you like what you hear, please leave ratings and reviews for Extraordinary Terrestrials on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Libsyn, or SoundCloud. You can show your support by contributing to the podcast's Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. You can also follow the podcast and tell your friends on Facebook and Twitter, as well as the website, ExtraordinaryTerrestrialsPodcast.com. Lastly, go outside. Let's take a poll, listeners. Are you breathing right now? If the answer is no, then it would seem this podcast has more listeners located in the afterlife than previously believed. If the answer is yes, you have trees to thank for that. Trees are why you're breathing right now. Trees are important. If you would like to understand the full magnitude of the importance of trees, the Arbor Day Foundation is a great place to start. Educate, donate, and breathe at www.arborday.org. At the very least, go outside. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.